1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. It certainly does. It's a little past 8 o'clock on a Sunday. No place I'd rather be than alongside Ray Lance and all of your wonderful folks here from USA Wealth Group. Good morning. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. We're so happy you can join us every Sunday morning. We're going to tell a few stories that happened just this past week in our office from people who listen regularly to this show. So we do appreciate it. We don't know who we're talking to all the time, uh, unless I'm talking to myself, and then I have to ask myself who I'm talking to sometimes. Uh, if you ask yourself to repeat yourself, that's the only time I'd say get some help. Yes, I agree. But welcome to Money Wise, brought to you by USA Wealth Group. We are located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. And with me this morning, first of all, is my lovely wife, attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning, everyone. Tenny is a lawyer of... Uh, great standing in our community. She does work with uh, the elderly. She does work with real estate. She does work with estate planning, Medicaid planning, protecting assets if somebody is concerned about going into a nursing home. Tenny, tell folks what your telephone number is. We are also located on Fonts Corner Road, 352, and our phone number is 508-998. Eight eight zero zero. We like to say every Sunday morning that our mission at USA Wealth Group is really very simple. We want to show you what you can do to protect your family and protect your money. And there's nothing more important than protecting your family. This morning, we're very privileged to have a special guest with us, Rose Grant. Good morning, Rose. Good morning. We really appreciate your being here. Rose is a former high school science teacher. She has a Bachelor of Science and a Master's in Science in Biology from University of Massachusetts in Dartmouth. Mm -hmm. Good. Right. And she's here as a special guest because we have an unusual topic this morning. We're going to talk about memory issues. We're going to talk about dementia. We're going to talk about Alzheimer's today. And I venture to say that everyone listening has this as a concern for themselves or for somebody in their family. I'm willing to bet that everybody that is listening today has experienced the horrible disease known as Alzheimer's and has seen somebody in their family or family friend. We have many, many national figures that we know have uh, eventually died from Alzheimer's, such as Ronald Reagan, for example. We're going to talk about that a lot. But, Rose, first of all, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. And you are an author. You have... um, written a book and contributed to another book. We're going to talk about both of those. And your interest in Alzheimer's comes out of the personal experiences you had with your own husband. That's right. Right. My husband was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's when he was 59 years old. Um, And uh, it was quite a shock to us to get that diagnosis. We didn't know very much about the disease at the time. And we set out to learn and find out everything we could about Alzheimer's disease. And it's been part of my life, unfortunately, for quite a long time now. And I know some important facts about Alzheimer's. I know, for example, that there is no cure for Alzheimer's. Correct. There may be some treatment that you can do to 
prolong memory for a while or, or contribute to somebody's well-being, but there's absolutely no cure for Alzheimer's. That's right. It's a 100% mortality rate. And it's a growing problem in this country. So anyway, a little bit more about Rose's background. Rose Grant, uh, I'm not sure uh, where you live. What town do you live I in? I live in Fall River. Okay, I remember that now that you told me again. Uh, she holds a certificate in teacher's mentoring from the University of Massachusetts. Uh, she holds a certificate in healthcare ethics from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. And I know that you've also contributed uh, as an author to the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Living with Alzheimer's and Other Dementias. That's right. That's that pretty my, exciting. My first pub- published piece, yes. Well, those chicken soup uh, books have been very, very popular. Yeah, that particular one, all the proceeds to the book went to the Alzheimer's Association, and it was one of their most successful fundraising books. That's that's really, really good to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we very much appreciate your being here. We're going to ask you some more questions about... Um, your husband and what it was like going through that experience. I'm going to share some personal experiences that Tenny has had and I have had with our own family members. But I also know that you've written a little book yourself, which is called I Left My Memory on a Bus Somewhere, A Bittersweet Journey Through Alzheimer's Disease. Mm -hmm, That's right. Uh, When my husband was sick, our doctor recommended that we keep journals, which we both did. And, of course, his journal is much shorter because he eventually lost his ability to write. Um, But then our doctor read the journals and said, you need to put these into a book. And I was teaching full-time. I was a caregiver. Um, I was really overwhelmed with everything that I needed to do. So my joke is that I gave up my day job to get the book out, and it was the first thing I wanted to do when I retired. Mm-hmm. Um, the title comes from uh, the, my husband telling me that was his diagnosis. He said, I know what's wrong with me. I left my memory on a bus somewhere. And when he told me that, I said, that's it. That's, that's going to be my title. Yeah, that's a wonderful title for a book. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very, very difficult disease, um, Tenny, I know that in your practice, in your law practice business, you've come across many family situations in which family members have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Yes, and it's always difficult to know. Um, I asked Rose earlier when we were talking, what is the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Because mostly I hear about dementia these days and not Alzheimer's. Um, the, well, how I explained this to Tenny was to, to use the symbol of car keys. Um, all of us mislay our car keys. Someone with dementia might mislay their car keys into the refrigerator. And then uh, later on, they'll mm. find their car keys in the refrigerator, and they'll say, oh, my goodness, why did I put my car keys here? So first of all, they'll recognize that those are car keys, and secondly, that putting them in the refrigerator is not the right place to put them. Someone with Alzheimer's disease would put their car keys in the, in the refrigerator, 
and not know that that's the wrong place and not know that those are called keys and not know that they are used to drive a car. Mm. So that's kind of a good way to look at it. And, of course, early-stage Alzheimer's wouldn't be that bad, but when they start really getting into the disease, they, they lose the function of things. They lose the words associated with those objects. And when we talked earlier, um, I was curious to know, you said that Alzheimer's is 100% fatal. And is there a time span that is usual, or is there any... Uh, who tells you what when this is diagnosed? In our particular case, um, my husband had a lot of diagnoses. He was having a lot of problems. He was having a lot of problems at work. That's how we initially knew something was going wrong. He was missing deadlines and meetings. Um, he was forgetting what class he had. He was also a teacher. He was an art teacher in a uh, junior high school in Swansea. And um, so he kept getting in trouble at work, and he kept thinking that the administration was picking on him, and we kept going to the doctors. He had a lot of uh, stress and anxiety related to his job. Um, in hindsight, it was because he was trying to deal with his job and do a good job when he was losing his memory. Um, but eventually he was diagnosed with depression, and we were sent to a psychiatrist, and he picked up on the memory loss. So he was sent for a battery of tests. We had four hours of testing at Rhode Island Hospital, and the diagnosis came back that he had um, Alzheimer's disease. So that was the first we had heard about it. Now, Rose, your husband is deceased. Yes. And how old was he when he was first diagnosed? Uh, he was diagnosed at 59. Okay. Um, a question you just brought up um, that I wanted to respond to is after the diagnosis, uh, the average person lives about 10 years. Now, of course, a lot of that has to do with how old they are when they're diagnosed, um, how healthy they are, do they have any other you know, mitigating uh, illnesses. Uh, we tend to think of Alzheimer's as an old person's disease, but we're starting to make the diagnoses um, a lot sooner now, so people are a lot younger. Uh, strangely enough, some people who are diagnosed very young don't live as long. Um, and we, we're trying to figure all of that out. And is there any concern or in your experience um, in studying and researching Alzheimer's and making this your mission in life, is there any concern that some of the characteristics that generate and lead to Alzheimer's are hereditary? Oh, sure. There's been a lot of talk about that. And, you know, certainly as a biologist, that's, that's interested me. Um, we certainly didn't have any genetic component in my husband's family that we know of. Um, years ago, we used to think, and, and there is a very rare form of Alzheimer's that is definitely genetic. There's a whole family that's been studied um, because of their family connection. But years ago, we used to say 85% we don't know, and 15% is maybe genetic. Um, we know now that people have genes that code for the proteins that we make in our brain cells that are uh, the cause of some of the tangles in the plaques. So everybody, well, not everybody, a lot of people have those genes, and what we're trying to do with research is find out what causes those genes to be turned on. Why do some people make too much of that protein? And we also know that there are some people who carry those genes who never get Alzheimer's, so it, it's a big mystery um, but that's why we need lots of money for medical research. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with Rose Grant, who has become, of necessity, an expert 
in Alzheimer's. And some interesting statistics about Alzheimer's and some things that I learned in preparing for this show. Alzheimer's disease is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. We don't think of it that way, do we? We think of it, well, somebody's just going to die of old age Mm -hmm. ultimately, but in the meantime, they've got dementia and Alzheimer's and just going to lose their memory. But Alzheimer's actually is a fatal disease. And what it eventually does, as far as I understand, it leads to a shutdown of organs, doesn't it? Correct, correct. Um, Everybody thinks it's just you losing short-term memory, but the brain damage progresses. And um, it goes to, for example, at some point in time, the person isn't going to be able to walk on their own. They're Mm -hmm. they're not going to know how to toilet themselves anymore. Um, They're going to lose their speech. They are, uh, it's a long-term regression back to almost infancy uh, in a lot of ways, and they become very, very dependent on their caregiver for everything that happens to them. And then um, eventually, as you said, uh, their swallowing swallowing will be affected. Um, Most people who die of Alzheimer's die of pneumonia, and it's because they're um, they can't even swallow their own. They aspirate their own um, saliva. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because they're immobile, you know, that creates some problems. So um, a lot of people say, oh, my grandmother died because she forgot how to swallow. She didn't forget how to swallow. She just can't swallow mm-hmm. anymore. That part of her brain has been damaged. Well, it's a nasty, nasty, uh, difficult disease. And um, I want to mention a little bit more to respond to your question, Tenny, Attorney Tenny Lance, asking about what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia. Alzheimer's disease is a form of dementia. So dementia can take a number of of terms, a number of roots. Uh, Dementia in general describes symptoms that relate to the loss of mental ability. Uh, It could be difficulty with memory or judgment or even motor skills. So there are a number of different kinds of dementia, but the most common one is probably Alzheimer's disease itself. Correct, I think so. You know, a few nights ago, probably a week ago, I just happened to be coming out of Boston at night and tuned into a different radio station, uh, WBZ, Nightside with Dan Ray, and his very first guest was a gentleman who had written a book on uh, loss of mental function. Not necessarily strictly Alzheimer's, but he was talking about mental function. And one of the questions that was posed to him very early on was, can you do things to reverse mental decline? Can you do crossword puzzles all of a sudden? Can you do the puzzles in the paper? And the short answer was, no, that's not going to help you. He said what, what may help some people who are concerned about losing mental ability as you get older is to do something that's new and different that you haven't done before like perhaps taking music lessons, for example. It requires you know, different aspects of your brain that maybe you haven't done before. But it's not going to be just reading more and things of that nature. That's not going to help. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I was driving. I couldn't make notes. But um, this is a topic that's very important to a lot of people because not only is Alzheimer's the sixth leading cause of death in, in the United States, every 66 seconds... Somebody in this country develops Alzheimer's. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's about 10 people while we're on the air. Right. And that's amazing. Right now, more than 5 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's. But that's only half of the problem, isn't it, Rose? Mm-hmm. 
because it's not just a problem for the people who are living with Alzheimer's. It's also for uh, a real problem for the people who are the caregivers. Absolutely. Who don't want to put somebody into a nursing home, who don't want to put somebody into assisted living, who want to keep them as home as long as possible. And it's an enormous burden on you, isn't it, Rose? That's right. That's right. I mean, there's, there's the 24-hour the job of uh, – there's a, a book that I recommend to most people who are first getting into Alzheimer's. It's called The 36-Hour Day. And it's kind of the Alzheimer's Bible, but, boy, it, it really describes what your job is. Um, in our particular case, I was uh, quite a bit younger than my husband. Um, so when he was diagnosed um, and couldn't work anymore, I had to continue to work. I had to support our family. Um, we had our kids were 15 and 19 when their dad was diagnosed. And by losing his job, we lost Jack's, uh, we lost our medical insurance that was covered by his job. So of course I had to work. I had to provide our medical insurance given the fact that we had a very sick person now with, to take care of. So um, it's, it's a real tough job. Um, if the person who is diagnosed is an elderly person and their spouse is going to be taking care of them, sure, they're home all the time now, but they also are older. They don't have the energy. Maybe they have some of their own uh, health problems. So being a caregiver is a, a very difficult job. Yes, it is. It very much is. Tenny, let me ask you a question, or maybe I'll ask you a question first, Rose. When your husband was first diagnosed, uh, Jack, mm -hmm. yes. let's, use, let's use his name. I'd like to use his name. When Jack was first diagnosed, had he done such a thing as a durable power of attorney? Yes, we actually had done all of the, those kinds of documents. Um, we did them when uh, our whole family was invited to go to Scotland, and it was the first time all of us were going to be on a plane together. So we said, oh, we, we need to take care of things just in case. Um, so, yes, all of those things have been done, but that's advice that I give everyone. Um, we had a woman in our support group whose husband was in the hospital, and uh, she went in and wanted to take care of some things and discovered that his first ex-wife was still his um, health care proxy, that he had oh, wow. never hmm. changed the done the paperwork and she was in a terrible position. Um, so I advise people to make sure that you take care of that. You get a diagnosis, you you know get a go to the Alzheimer's Association to get help, you hire an elder law attorney, and you make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. Tenny, does that sound like good advice to you? Yes, but I'll tell you it's often difficult for the attorney. Because in order to do those documents, it's necessary, in most cases, uh, for them to be notarized. And a notary has to ask the question of the person whether he understands what he is signing, whether that is his real wish, whether there's any duress and all the, that other sort of thing. And so it's difficult for the notary when somebody comes in and says, I've been diagnosed with early dementia, but I want to do my documents, it's always a little difficult for the notary to know, well, should we really do these documents and notarize them? Do you really understand? Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes in the past you've actually gotten a letter from a doctor saying, 
so-and-so has sufficient mental capacity to understand the documents that they're signing, and they can therefore prepare estate planning documents. Yes, and that's obviously very helpful to us. Um, What I never know, and maybe um, we can hear a little bit more about, is how much do dementia people or Alzheimer's people understand and at what stages and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say in the in the early stages, um, they, they've started recently dividing the stages of Alzheimer's into sort of asymptomatic. In, in other words, you have the plaque and the damage uh, that's causing Alzheimer's. Um, and, and that can last for a, a few years, depending on the person. Um, and then they get into a phase called mild cognitive impairment where they are starting to have some real problems with understanding and reasoning. And then the last stage, of course, is full-fledged Alzheimer's. So I would say that someone who's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's is still very competent um, in those early stages. We have some very high-functioning people in, in our support group, for example. So they're still capable of making decisions and understanding, but that's why you need to be proactive. That's why you need to take care of those kinds of things early on. And I think one of the most important things, and Tenny has hit on it a little bit as well, uh, lawyers who are signing documents or witnessing documents, they need to have some recognition that the person has mental capacity and knows what they're signing. Mm -hmm. And so the real moral of the story is, Take some action. Make sure these documents are done and signed long before you may have an issue because then it might be too late. Correct. correct. Tenny, what's the alternative if somebody didn't do documents and now doesn't have the mental capacity to do them? What can the family be looking at doing? Well, the unfortunate alternative is court. And um, the probate court in Massachusetts is uh, able to do something called an appointment of guardianship or an appointment of conservatorship. And it's similar to what the person would have done himself or herself, but it's done with court intervention, and it's done not necessarily for the appointment of the person that uh, he may have wanted. You might have somebody appointed. I just heard, for example, of an appointment of Bristol Bristol, um, elders as a guardian because the family was was not functional at that point. Well, I want to give you a quick quotation from a a person named Lisa Gibbons that we all heard of. Alzheimer's caregivers are heroes, and they truly are. I need to give you a couple of um, quick reminders that you're listening to Money Wise, brought to you by USA Wealth Group. Our guests this morning are Rose Grant, who is an Alzheimer's advocate, uh, very active, has written a book, has helped co-author another book, one of the Chicken Soup for the Souls books, and has lived through the horrible situation of Alzheimer's because her husband, Jack, was diagnosed at the age of 59. I'm always really amazed at the number of people who will delay taking action on doing documents. Tenny, I want to tell a really quick story. Uh, You and I just recently had some electrical tests done in connection with the carpal tunnel and those kinds of issues. Um, Tell briefly the story about your doctor who was was talking about estate planning. 
Yes, the doctor I saw when he found out that I was an estate planner, Eldalar attorney, he looked a little sheepish and he said, you know, I mean, he was not a young man. He was probably in his mid to late 50s. Um, he said, you know, I've, I've never done any documents myself. And I couldn't believe it. Yeah. A, well a medical doctor, person. educated, yeah. making a lot of money, children in high school, and has done no documents at all. Um, anyway. Uh, I was amazed. Doctor, heal thyself. Exactly. <laughs> Out of all the professions, who will show up late for an appointment? Well, doctors do. Doctors, always. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not to take care of your family is just unconscionable. It's just amazing. This is a quotation from Pat Robertson, famous minister. I hate Alzheimer's. It is one of the most awful things because here is a loved one. This is the woman or man that you have loved for 20, 30, 40 years, and suddenly that person is gone. They're gone. They're gone. Pat Robertson. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back after a short break, and if you're concerned about somebody in your family, stay tuned and find out what you can do to take some action. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. We so much appreciate your being here every Sunday morning. Today we're talking about Alzheimer's, and we're talking about dementia and things which will probably impact someone in your family, someone that you know, someone that you love. We are pleased to have with us this morning Rose Grant, a former high school teacher who has a bachelor's and a master's degree. She was a contributing author to Chicken Soup for the Soul, Living with Alzheimer's and Other Dementias, and she has also written her own book called I Left My Memory on a Bus Somewhere, A Bittersweet Journey Through Alzheimer's Disease. She has personal experience uh, because her husband Jack was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at the age of 59. We also have with us attorney Tenny Lance, a frequent contributor to this program, and welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Rose, I'd like to come back and ask you, I, I want to ask you a personal question. I hope this is okay. When, when your husband, Jack, was first diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and obviously he was aware of it, how did that impact him? How, how did he react to that diagnosis? I, I think part of it was that we didn't really know what we were getting into, so there was a little bit of ignorance is bliss. Um, my husband was a deeply religious person, and... Um, he said, if this is what God has planned for me, so be it. Hmm. And he was, he was very accepting of it. Um, I was very lucky because a lot of people who get Alzheimer's go through some personality changes, um, and they get very nasty at, at the end, mm -hmm. but that never happened uh, to me. Um, when Jack was placed in the nursing home, which was a very difficult decision for me to make, he thought he was teaching in that building. He thought he was at school. Um, and so he told me that this is a great school, and I was thrilled that he thought that he was in school because it made the transition a whole lot easier for both of us. It sounds like he was a very positive man and a man of good character to begin with. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so therefore, that also helped him when he had his Alzheimer's. Um, how did it affect your children? Huh. Um, my son, um, I think, was pretty 
stoic about it. Uh, he was very helpful. He was He's our older child. Um, and when uh, I needed to have people come to stay with Jack during the day, um, Kevin did one day uh, with his dad on his day off. Um, our daughter was daddy's little girl, and, and she took it really hard. Um, she is mm. now also a biology chemistry teacher like mom, and um, she had her first child a couple of years ago and agonized over the genetics aspect of this. Sure. Was she going to get Alzheimer's, and by having children, was she going to be passing it on? Um, so it's, it's, she's really, I think, internalized it quite a bit. And I'm not saying that my son hasn't. Um, I'm sure he's, he's shown it in his own way, but he's been a little bit more quiet about it, I suppose. I think he's written some poetry about his dad's illness, actually. Hmm. How very interesting. Well, we appreciate your being here because um, you have a very personal story to tell, which is important. My own mother went through Alzheimer's as well, and we went through a sequence, first of all, of being in a nursing home. She was at uh, Hathaway Manor for a while, and she kept thinking she was going home, and she was a giving person, so she was trying to help out in the kitchen and help mm -hmm. out serving food to other people that she thought needed it, um, and she kept trying to do those things. Later, really quickly, she went to a different assisted living facility and ultimately to a nursing home. And I did this really dumb, stupid thing. And I've mentioned this before on the radio. It was not really clear whether she was remembering my name. And when I would go to the nursing home, she would grab my arm and give me a hug. And then she would be trying to introduce me to people in the nursing home. And she would be saying, this is my son. This is my son. This is my son. But she wouldn't use my name, and one day I looked her right in the face, right in the eyes, and I said, what's my name, Mom? And she just looked at me, and I said it again, Mom, what's my name? And I said it about three times, and she looked at me, and she said, dummy. <laughs> you, you asked for it, Ray. <laughs> I asked for it. I absolutely asked for it, and, and I felt so badly that, that I was, you know... It, you can't just make somebody reach inside their brain mm -hmm. and pull information out. Mm -hmm. It's gone. And I just gave her a big hug, and I never did that again. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. we all have those kinds of moments. I was surprised to learn that Alzheimer's disease kills more people in this country than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. And that's because we've found ways to treat both of those mm -hmm. illnesses. That's a good point, and isn't it? And the cure rate is, is really good. Right. So that's that's part of, you know, almost all cancers now have, we have walks where we have survivors in the walk. We never have anybody who's a survivor of Alzheimer's in our walk to end Alzheimer's. That's never going to happen. Well, I shouldn't say it's never going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. Hmm. We have hope in the future. But we have hope in the future that we won't have a need for the walk to end Alzheimer's because it will be gone. Tenny, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, the, the symptoms and the progression are different all the time. Is that the case? Uh, there are common themes. Um, all, the diagnosis of Alzheimer's is usually made by behaviors. 
Um, what the person the family wants to do is rule out other kinds of things. So the person should be having a whole neurological workup and a physical and so on um, to make sure that something else isn't going on, you know, little strokes, even UTIs. UTIs and uh, urinary tract infections in elderly people um, sometimes present as some sudden memory loss, and, and that's an easy fix. So you want to rule all, all kinds of other things out uh, before the diagnosis is made. But um, we, we can take brain cells and confirm that there are plaques and tangles, but the way to do that is with a spinal tap or a brain biopsy, and we're not going to submit subject people to that kind of testing at this point. Um, they are looking at a way to screen for uh, Alzheimer's in the future, and not, not too far in the future, I think, where all of us would be able to go, just like we can go get pap smears or colonoscopies, um, we would be able to get a test to screen for um, the genes and the potential to develop uh, the plaque and, um, you know, the amyloid plaques and the tangles. And if we can do that, then we can start treating potential Alzheimer's people with drugs early on. That's what I remember when my mother um, had her dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever it was, that they said really the only way to determine whether it's actually Alzheimer's is to do a brain biopsy. And nobody's going to do that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we can autopsy people's brains, but it's, it's too late. It just, I mean, it, it gets us information and collects data and so on. Um, but, yeah, I have a friend who's in a clinical study. Her mom died of Alzheimer's, and um, she has been diagnosed with the plaques and tangles because she was willing to submit to a spinal tap. Hmm. Um, and that's a very painful procedure. Well, let me ask you this question, Rose. We're talking with Rose Grant, whose um, husband, Jack... Um, was a victim of this horrible disease, Alzheimer's. If somebody's concerned about their own memory, if somebody's concerned about the memory of a family member, what should they do to look to get a diagnosis? Should they see a neurologist? Yeah, I think you should start with your, your um, primary care physician, um, and they can do some simple uh, tests in the office. Um, we've all probably, at, I'm looking around the room, we're all probably old enough in this room that we've gone to the doctor and he's given us those four words to recall in a few minutes. Um, and the first time that was given to me, I freaked out and I could only remember three, three of the four words and I was really upset. Then my last visit, I remembered all four, four and my doctor forgot to ask me and I said, I am not leaving here without telling you those four words. <laughs> Good for you. But in any case, that's where I would start and then um, they're going to recommend probably a neurological workup as I mentioned um, and, and so on. So we ended up, because the diagnosis was depression, at a psychiatrist. Fortunately for us, he was someone who had had a lot of experience with uh, Alzheimer's, and we went to the memory assessment um, clinic at Rhode Island Hospital. So that's what I would suggest. That's where I would start. Good. Thank you for that advice. Tenny, I want to come back to you for a minute, Attorney Tenny Lance. Um, first of all, give your phone number if you would. Our number is 508-998-8800. And so... What I want to remind people that if you are concerned about making sure that your family will be protected with proper documents, if this is a worry for you, give Attorney Tenny Lance a call. Tenny, just give a quick listing of the primary documents that somebody ought to have to 
allow a family member to handle affairs for them if necessary? There really are three sets of documents that people should have. You should have either a trust or a will or both, and we certainly recommend a trust. The second is a durable power of attorney for property. And then the last are a set of health documents, the health care power of attorney for someone to be nominated to be your agent uh, in case you can't make proper health decisions for yourself. And then the HIPAA form that allows those people to look at your medical history. And we also offer something called a living will that uh, allows people to set forth their um, preferable directive to their family about whether they wish to be on life support systems. You know, it's important to do these things, ladies and gentlemen, while you still have the capacity and the competence to do so. Don't wait. It could be too late. You know, uh, back to you, Rose. Rose Grant, um, I want to give you a quotation that I found kind of interesting. These are not my usual funny quotations this morning, obviously, which I do sometimes. People do not realize that Alzheimer's is not old age. It is a progressive and fatal disease, and staggering amounts of people develop Alzheimer's every day. Mm-hmm. This is a lady named Melina uh, Probably have you feel, pronounce this, Phil. Canacadaris. Good. Not bad, huh? But it's not very good. It's not a disease of old age, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. So I want to tell you a very quick story. I just returned from uh, some major educational conferences down south uh, just this past week. And they started out the night talking about Alzheimer's disease. We had a thousand people in the room and said, Our organization has decided that we are going to support Alzheimer's research this year. And there was a very specific fundraising program they had. And they brought up on the stage a gentleman who's 52 years old, who's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. He was diagnosed at the age of 45. He lost his job. He lost his health insurance. Uh, Young children in the family. His wife was there with him. He read the speech. And he was able to read it fairly, you know, uh, ably. And then his wife also spoke for a few minutes, and she also had prepared remarks that she read. And it was, it was very highly emotional and very highly moving to realize that these are young people, and their lives have totally been devastated. She's now the caregiver, at least for the time being, but it has devastated their family financially. So you need to make steps to make sure you have documents in place and you take a look at your finances. Maybe at a young age you might want to look at long-term care insurance and things of that nature. There are a lot of things that you can do, but it will impact too many people, won't it? We've talked about the things that we believe people should do to put their paperwork in order. Um, Rose, what can the organizations that you know about do to be of help? Right. I want to make sure that I I get a plug-in for uh, the Alzheimer's Association. Um, In Massachusetts, our our, uh, chapter is actually covers all of Massachusetts and New Hampshire, um, and they do great work um, not only with education, uh, training support group leaders, uh, of course, research, and so on. Um, They have a 24-hour helpline that you can call. Their number is 800-272-3900. 
um, and they have people on duty, as I said, 24 hours, and they can speak all kinds of languages. So if you call there and English is not your primary language, there will still be somebody there to help you. Um, you can get all kinds of educational materials from them, attend workshops, which is what I started doing um, when Jack was first diagnosed as a teacher. I knew I had to do my homework. The second uh, place I would suggest to get help is your local elder services um, in this area at South Coast, in the Fall River area, it's Bristol Elder Services. Um, they are extremely helpful. Um, and they will provide a lot of services for you and um, a lot of research, uh, outreach into the community. Um, a third organization I'd like to mention is uh, I'm a member of the Southeastern Massachusetts Alzheimer's Partnership. We're a group of professionals who work with the Alzheimer's community uh, in Southeastern Mass. Uh, we range from LLR attorneys to um, social workers, people who work in long-term care facilities, all the way down to people like me. Um, I'm an, an, the non-professional in the group, and there are now three of us who are former caregivers um, who are members of the partnership, and we do lots of work uh, in the community, um, educational programs and such. So um, we have a scholarship that we just started doing, um, and it's for respite for families who have Alzheimer's. And we gave our first scholarship away in December, and we would love to give more. Um, so if you want more information on our scholarship, um, the place to go is our uh, email site. It's SEMA, S-E-M-A, as in Southeastern Mass, partnership, so all one word, all lowercase, SEMA, partnership at gmail.com. So if you'd like more information, um, about applying for our scholarship, we would encourage families to do that. We want to give four away a year, and um, so we're in a new new calendar year, and we would love to do that. Who does that money benefit? Is it students who are going to be studying Alzheimer's? Uh, no, it's for a family member who okay. might, uh, and it can they can do whatever they want with it. The the two hundred, it's I think it's two hundred and fifty dollars each time. Um, they can use that to pay someone to come in so that they can get out of the house, for example. Um, what happens to a lot of caregivers is they neglect themselves terribly. Of course. Um, they, they can't get their hair cut. They can't go to the doctors. They can't get their teeth cleaned. Um, so it, they could use that money, for example, to have someone come and sit with their loved one. Um, their washing machine has broken down, and they don't have the money to, to get a new one. They can use it to put toward a new washing machine. We, we just want to make the caregiver's life a little bit easier. Oh, that's remarkable. And they can use that money however they want. So we're talking with Rose Grant. Now, Rose, I want to ask you a question. You've given us some information about these various organizations, and I'm going to ask if you can leave those brochures with Tenny also. Sure. Because if somebody has further interest and didn't write this information down, give attorney Tenny Lance a call at 508-998-8800, and she would be more than happy to pass along this information to you as well. Do you take uh, calls yourself, or would you rather have somebody contact one of the organizations, Rose? Um, if, if someone wants to talk to me, another caregiver, I'll be more than happy to talk to speak with them. Um, I had a lot of help along the way, and um, this is how I'm trying to pay it back. Um, so if you want to get in touch with me, you can shoot me an email. My email is rgrant1229 at comcast.net. And um, I invite you to go on Facebook and like my Facebook page. My Facebook page is called Memory Bus. 
memory bus. Mm -hmm. I like that. So if you don't remember some of this information and want to get in touch with uh, Tenney at the law firm, and we'll be happy to pass along uh, contact information for Rose or as well as some of these other organizations. Now, I, w I want to give you a quotation from Nancy Reagan and see mm -hmm. if this sounds like a familiar story, Rose. With Alzheimer's patients, you have to be very careful what you say when you are looking at them over the bed because once in a while they understand it. Mm -hmm. So there are flashes of recognition and memory, oh, yeah. aren't there? Yeah, there's a, there's a little passage in my book about um, my husband. I was visiting my husband, and I had given him a journal to keep in the nursing home. Uh, and I had written on the first page, Hi, Jack, this is Rose, I love you. And then I went back to visit him, and he had written on the second page, Hi, Rose, this is Jack, I love you too. And then a couple of weeks later, he showed the book to me and said, Do you think she's going to come around anytime soon? <laughs> so like your mom, Ray. <laughs> um, he, and so I informed him that I was his wife, and he said, Oh, this is going to be a much more fun night than I thought. <laughs> um, which is the point that even though this is a very, very sad disease, um, there are some lucid, funny moments, sure. and you treasure those. Yep. It's just like I treasure what my mom said to me. That's right. I remember very well that my brother, who's a very uh, down, the, down the line, you don't... Uh, waver from the right thing to do well every time he would see my mother not every time but a lot of times my mother would say the wall is green and of course the wall was blue and he'd say no that's not correct mm -hmm. and and uh, I guess the appropriate thing to do is to agree or do you uh, challenge or what do you do with an Alzheimer's person oh never argue they're always right and you need to be in their reality um, it will make your life easier and you'll you, you know you're going to just stress them out challenging them so mm. be, be in their place and Ten you won't win right that's right <laughs> tenny's in for a hard time if i ever have this diagnosis because i'm always right to begin with just absolutely. ask her absolutely <laughs> well you know i think one of the other things that's true about alzheimer's is that we hear in the news about famous people with Alzheimer's, and we tend to think of it as an occasional thing that happens to some famous people, but it really happens to a lot of mm -hmm. regular people, too, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Absolutely. I want to give you a quotation from Sandra Day O'Connor, Supreme Court Justice. I loved my husband very much, and it was heartbreaking to have him develop Alzheimer's disease and to stand by and watch him decline in his ability to take care of himself. Yeah, a sad part of, of her story is that when he went into the nursing home, he developed a relationship with another resident. And so she had to go visit him in the nursing home and, and watch him with his sweetheart um, at the nursing home. But she did what I just said. She put herself in his reality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was a great lady. And that's, Yes, I'm, she was. Yeah. I never knew that. I don't mm. think most people know that. That's a sad situation. Yeah. Yep. Your mother, Ray, used to... Uh, imagine all kinds of things happening in her house. Well, she talked to the television, and she wanted to, to introduce uh, anybody who walked into her house mm -hmm. to whoever was talking on the TV mm -hmm. at the time and things of that yeah. nature. Uh, paranoia is uh, classic with Alzheimer's. Um, hallucinations also. Those are a couple of things that happen to people that a lot of people don't know about this disease. I want to give a couple of hopeful kind of notes in uh, um, stem cell research. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
A lot of people think that stem cell research, if it's funded, may eventually lead to better treatments for Alzheimer's and reverse some of the effects. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, um, our government hasn't been really very interested in funding stem cell research. And this goes back for uh, generations and decades of people looking to uh, fund stem cell research, including George Bush and so forth, and people who really didn't want to fund it. But it may be something that can help cure a lot of diseases. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hopeful um, research going on. Um, I'm also affiliated with an organization called Cure Alzheimer's Fund, and all of the money that they get in donations, 100% of it goes to medical research. A lot of their research is being done at Mass General Hospital by uh, Dr. Rudy Tanzi, um, and they he is the person who has developed um, neurons that have the same kind of damage in them, he he and another doctor, Lee, created stem uh, sorry not stem cells, brain cells in a dish, Alzheimer's in a dish, and they have distributed these cells to all kinds of researchers who are doing lots of drug testing um, on these cells. So it's very hopeful. Um, I think we're going to in in the next five years maybe make some significant progress in in terms of treatment or even prevention. Well, Rose, I would like to thank you so much for being with us today. You have a very strong personal story to tell and um, a message of hope and a message of doing something positive to try to make a difference with this really terrible disease that we know as Alzheimer's. So all I can say to you is to keep up the good work. Um, God bless you for everything you've been through. Attorney Tenny Lance, I'd like to thank you for being here. And ladies and gentlemen, if anything you've heard today is of concern to you, if you have issues in your own family or you're worried about it, take some action, do some things, do something to get prepared, most importantly. Mm -hmm. uh, give Tenny a call at 508-998-8858, and she can help you and your family get together with uh, proper documents. But um, with hope for the future, Rose. Right. And you've got some great organizations that you're supporting. Uh, the Thank event you very that, much for the opportunity. And um, we will all look forward to a better time and uh, a, better, a better place for all of us. And hopefully we can all stay healthy, right? And even Phil okay. would agree with that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Do something wonderful for your family. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.